Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. It's day five of the Women's World Cup. I'm with Kate Longhurst, Jessie Parker-Humphreys and Becky Taylor-Gill. Guys, I don't know if it's day five or it's the Barbie Oppenheimer double bill last night, but this this is the first time I'm really feeling it in terms of like a little bit tired. A bit tired. Yeah. Like, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> Can it be the knockouts already? I, like I'm loving it, but I'm also feeling a little bit like, oh, this is going to be a long time. Long journey. Uh, Kate, first time we've got you back in the studio since your Charlton pre-season tour. Well, yes. I say tour, Pisa. Uh, yeah, not really tour. Uh, pre-season boot camp not boot camp it was really good really productive um but very tough yeah and you went so you were in Pisa in Italy and of course you got one of the pickies with the leaning tower I did but I got absolutely <laughs> slated for my positioning of how low Too down low. the tower I was yeah. Becky will put it on the counter press twitter need, but it was like, it was there's quite no bad. way you're gonna be able to support that tower for more than two seconds I know but as I excla- exclaimed <laughs> explained in the message the other picture, I looked awful. So I had to use <laughs> that one. Yeah, yeah. Fine. But I think we should superimpose you into other landmarks. Oh Maybe gosh, like so the good, Alex yeah. Morgan Statue of Liberty, <laughs> Kate holding that up, the Louvre, all those I different ones. I love it. Like when John Terry had his full kit and he was just everywhere. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should do that. But obviously, as it was your first pre-season with your new team, you had to do an initiation, right? So tell us what your initiation was. I did. Um I sang Crazy in Love by Beyonce and I also danced a bit. Oh, both parts? Well, I didn't do the whole song because we had quite a few to get through. Okay. Um, And I will say it was solid from everyone. There wasn't one person that let the side down. Wow, what did others do? Oh gosh, I can't even remember so the did, songs. So did everyone do one regardless if they were new or already part no, of the squad? No, so or? we had three new staff. Okay. So they Oh my God, you have went. to do your staff. Damn, that's, yeah. that's hard. Oh, and that's they were humiliating. all really good. They were okay, all really fine. good. Um, and then there were a couple of players who I can't say because they're not officially announced. Oh, <laughs> yeah. exclusive. Can press exclusive. Yeah, and then there was... Three others, so I think. Yeah, I think that was wow, you, a lot uh, of songs to get through. Yeah, Katie Green um, brought a dragon suit with her to what? sing wow. "Delilah" by Tom Jones because wow. she's Welsh. She had like so it looked like she was sitting on the dragon. That is, good. and she was like poking its head from behind the. That is some Welsh stuff. Yours doesn't sound as good now. It still got some cheers, so I'll accept <laughs> You're it. new though, they have to. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, well done, Kate. <laughs> Sympathy clap. That is some serious, serious Welsh pride. I'm mm. impressed. Um, yeah. And well done for doing Crazy in Love, because I would say that's not an easy song to sing, so I think that was a bold choice. No, it's not, but it's... I like dancing and singing. It detracts from the voice, so... <laughs> it's a little distraction, yeah. you know? And yeah. um, Becky, I know you're going to try and go see Barbie tonight. Yeah. I'm, I want my I want my housemate to come with me, but she's doing a masters annoyingly. Boo. Um, so I don't know if she will, but I also don't want to go see it on my own. But I keep seeing spoilers, so I just need to get it done. Jesse, are you going to go see Barbie and Oz? Well, my problem is, is I feel like it feels like an evening film, just mm. for the you know fun the and on wanting the to evening get for you. drunk, and football is on in the evening, and I um can't not watch every single game. Because I'm stupid. Of course. So <laughs> I think you should go to a morning showing. Yeah. Great way to start the day. Do you think that would be good though? I feel like it could just be like me as the only person in the cinema. Which oh, but that's might fun. Just, you know, 
but it would just hit home that I'm on the other side of the world all on my own. Oh, yeah. I think that, that could be the point when I had a breakdown. <laughs> Maybe you need to put a tweet out like any anyone in Brisbane want to come see Barbie with me. That sounds like my worst night. <laughs> the point at which Jesse lost their mind at the World Cup was the solo trip to watch Barbie <laughs> on day six of the tournament. Um, but I, I genuinely can't recommend the film enough. Oppenheimer was very good too, but Barbie was just... Oh, just maybe I was so alive and energetic and feeling hyped after the movie. So I would recommend. But of course, there's lots of football we've got to talk about because another three games today. So obviously, we're going to be digging into Germany's huge win over Morocco, Italy's late winner against Argentina and Brazil, who absolutely picked apart Panama. So let's get into it after this. I want to start with Germany because they really, really stamped their mark on this tournament. And we, we've spoken about them as one of the favourites coming in. And we were sort of not sure how it was going to go. Were they going to sort of fall apart in this tournament? They're one game in, so we can't get ahead of ourselves. But it was an impressive 6-0 win over Morocco. Alex Pop coming in hot with the golden boot, keeping pace with Sophia Smith with those two goals. Um, it was a bit of a messy performance from Morocco, Jesse. So we, we do have to I guess put a bit of an asterisk on that. But at the same time, Germany were impressive with how kind of cutthroat they were with the opportunities they have, even though the defence was a mess. I think the Germans listened to counterpressed because you complained <laughs> yesterday that teams haven't been clinical enough. And then Germany scored six goals from seven shots on target, which is about as clinical as you get. And the shot on target they didn't score from is the Latvine one that rebounds for the seventh goal anyway. So, yeah, it was it was an impressive performance. I thought Germany were doing lots of very interesting things that in possession in terms of like how they look to rotate, obviously playing Svenja Huth at right back, which is a, a kind of a weird choice, but it works perfectly in a game like this because obviously you can just push her all the way up. But they had her tucking into midfield. They had Eula Brand tucking into midfield. Sarah de Britz going back into centre-back. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how that actually works because I think there was definitely points where I was like, Melly Loipots looks very confused about what's going on. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I feel like Morocco's defence just meant that Germany found a lot of space and I think Alex Pop especially just set the tone for this game really early on two fantastic finishes basically doing what what she does best and yeah it was a very very comprehensive win for them I want to pick up on that Svenja Huth thing though Jesse, because yeah we normally see her in in more of a kind of front three or attacking midfield position but she's had to play there because uh, Yulia Gwynn didn't make it back from uh, ACL recovery I guess the fact that she got the luxury to push forward in this game when we didn't get a chance to see how, you know, that might be a bit of a weakness for Germany. In the first half, I thought Morocco did have a few counter-attacking opportunities they couldn't just quite put together. But do you think going forward, that Svenja Huth fallback situation and her pushing so high up is going to be a way that teams can exploit Germany? We've seen a lot of teams, I think, at this World Cup sort of having to fashion strange fullbacks and therefore sort of using this three at the back build up. Um, and I think that there is there is the possibility, but I thought it was interesting the way they were using De Brits to sort of step back and whether that would allow um, either Sarah Dawson or Kathy Hendrick to, you know, to, to come back and, and create still that back four. Um, I think Svenja Hoot's like, she's obviously an incredibly talented player. It's, it's not that she can't do that. I think it's more that 
when you're looking at a team and potentially they haven't had much time to work on the way they want to play, that's when the gaps will open up. And I think that could potentially be the issue going forward. You know, it's not a case like of a, a Friedlina Rolfo, say at Barcelona, where they moved her back to left back because they needed to fill a fullback position, but she's done it for two seasons now. And you'd say she's arguably one of the best fullbacks in the world, even though obviously she's been converted there. She's still playing as a wide player for Sweden now. The problem is, I think, for, for Germany, whether, you know, if that pressure comes, it's, it's going to be the obvious point for four teams to, to look to attack. Um, but, you know, Germany... Germany, I think the way they're going to set up at this World Cup, and I think you saw this in this game, is I think they're almost going to focus on being so good in attack themselves that that you're not going to have as much time to... You're not going to have the time to sort of go at them because you're going to be so sort of stressed out trying to trying to defend. You know, you see... We saw this at the Euros as well, like Lena Magul pushing really, really high up. Um, equally, we haven't even spoken about... Lena Oberdorf wasn't available today. Presumably will be back at some point in this tournament. We'll add a lot more defensive stability there too. So I think this is a bit of a work in progress Germany team, which maybe is the scarier part of the, of the result. But it felt very opposition dependent the way they set up today, I think. You mentioned there like how good they were going forward... Um... I actually had a look that it was the earliest goal scored in the World Cup so far at 11 minutes. Netherlands goal was at 13 and USA was at 14. And I think for me, when watching it, the feeling I got was a feeling that I, apart from maybe Japan, Zambia and maybe Spain, Costa Rica, I can't say for USA, Vietnam because I didn't watch it live. But the first time I was like, oh, this team's going to get blown away here. The smaller teams have really held their own so far in the World Cup. But I just, as soon as they got that goal so early, I was like, oh no. Yeah, the the aggressive play of Germany, the way that they pressed Morocco so early on to force those mistakes and Morocco were just kind of in panic mode and didn't know how to reset. Alex Pop, though, Jessie mentioned how she stamped her authority in the game really early. And that's probably the worst thing as well if you are a team that's trying to settle themselves in their first World Cup trying to sort of get a rhythm and a grip on the game and you've got someone like Alex Pop one of the best people one of the best players in the world when it comes to heading the ball and just being a presence in the box and she was a nightmare really for those defenders because they didn't they didn't defend particularly well in those set piece moments but at the same time it is really difficult because her movement the way she kind of loses her marker but then also just physically imposes herself on you it was kind of textbook in both of those goals how she managed to do that yeah it was it was like I said textbook pop wasn't it in terms of scoring headers um, being aggressive but I think with Morocco clearly their weakest attribute is their defending I actually thought they were quite good counter-attacking it was like the final ball or the runs offside but I did actually think they were tidier on the ball than I expected them to be and they were trying to play out and they did get out a few times but I just think 10 minutes into the game, firstly, the keeper can't come out for that cross. It's a great cross in, but she's really leaving herself open. She has to come and get that ball if she's going to come out. And then it just leaves Pop an empty net to head in. I'm not saying she wouldn't have scored the header anyway. But I think if they actually did their research, just don't leave her free in the box. But then you look at the second goal and... I don't know how many other players in the world score that goal because it came at her so quick. She adjusted so quickly as well. I honestly think I would have gone with my knee or something like that to try and get the ball on target and she's still headed it in. So it's almost like, what can you do when you've got a player that quality in the box? There's probably not many players better um, in the world. So I think she'll be key for Germany. Uh, What I really liked about Germany was the amount of good deliveries that they put in the box. Um, I felt like 
brand was really good, like getting down the touchline. I know there was um, a little bit of skill near the end that she did and it's just, it's exciting to watch. But I think they, they're looking like they have so many options going forward, which I think is where England struggled in terms of we just looked laboured and sort of a little bit out of ideas until maybe Lauren James came on where you thought, okay, this is someone that can do a little bit more. Uh, but with Germany, I just felt like, okay, even with Hoot getting higher and she was higher than the wingers at times, um, I thought it was really interesting how they built from three at the back at times um, and then De Brits dropping into right back. Uh, it'll be interesting how that works and when they do play better teams. Um, but in terms of going forward, you want to score goals, you want to be clinical, get the confidence up and they did exactly what they needed to do. Yeah, Becky, to what you said, just the way that they punish teams. You just haven't really seen some of those bigger nations, apart from Japan, like Becky mentioned, and Brazil today, really, who, when teams are making mistakes, defensively especially with Morocco, where they just couldn't clear their lines and the goalkeeper was kind of, you know, pushing it back into the path of, of Germany's um, attackers... They're one of the few teams we've just seen. You're like, if you're going to fluff your lines, we're going to punish you. And I think as much as we don't want to always come back to England's poor performance, but there's just not been enough of that really has there from a lot of these teams in this tournament so far to say, like, we will make the most of those opportunities we get. Well, I think this is an interesting thing. And tournament football makes this very hard to judge, but it is tricky if a team is going to defend badly, how you then look at, what the attacking team did. Because, for example, England had more shots on target than Germany did in that game, you know, against Haiti. They had an XG that was pretty much similar. I think if you take England's penalty out, theirs was about two, Germany's was about 2.4. But England scored one goal, which was a penalty, and Germany scored six. Now, maybe that's clinical finishing, like the chances, the headed chances, especially that Alessia Russo got. Do I think Pop would have scored that? Yeah, probably. So obviously that stuff does have an impact and it would be stupid to say it didn't. But equally, it's very easy in these one-off games to get drawn in, I think, to broader narratives about teams which aren't necessarily going to hold game to game. Because I think it's clear that, for example, Haiti were very, very good and very good defensively in a way that that Morocco weren't. And I also think, for example, Morocco prioritised maybe looking to play out more, looking to build attacks more than Haiti did, who I feel like relied and justifiably they look great doing it on these very quick counter-attacks and I think it was interesting today both Morocco and Panama were two teams who I felt more than any of the underdogs we've seen were trying to play their own style of play against bigger teams as opposed to just going for a very sort of organized mid to low block and then and then counter-attacking and I don't think it's a surprise necessarily that those two teams were the ones that sort of got blown away as a result what will be interesting for them going forward is, and I think especially for Morocco, given that that group feels surprised once you take Germany out, feels potentially quite even with South Korea and Colombia obviously still to play, is will that actually stand them in better stead for those other games? That they, you know, went into the game and they said, we want to play our way. Okay, sure. As a result, we got trounced. But can you put that to the side and still take your philosophy into the games which are going to be more even, where you are going to have a better chance, as opposed to potentially changing a lot of your game plan, um, not having that same like positive attitude. And then maybe when you're coming up against teams which you want to try and draw against, you want to try and beat, you're not really prepared to do. So I think it's very hard after the first group games to sort of take out the, the broad conclusions. And that's not to say that like... 
I just think basically to go away from the first group game for Germany and the first group game for England and say like England aren't very good and Germany are very good is really like stretching the bounds of both of those performances. I'm still quaking in my boots though. About Germany. About Germany. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was a shame that, that Lamari's goal for Morocco was was ruled offside. She was very offside. And, and that was kind of the, the theme of Morocco's whole game. They just couldn't hold their runs at all. But it was a really good finish. And I wanted them to have that moment. Another really kind of loud and proud rendition of the national anthem. Loads of fans had turned out. So that, that was a real shame they didn't get that, that goal to celebrate. But... It was a, a it was a brave performance from them, and um, Rosella I am was was really bright in this game as well, and it was just kind of like that final bit of of patience and kind of working with her teammates because she was making really good runs, um, but then almost taking that like just one touch too many or one touch too heavy, Kate, and then not being able to find the angle to have a shot. But you can see why. I mean, you can certainly see why they made it to the African Cup of Nations final uh, and why they're here. But it just takes probably a little bit more patience in their game when they do have the ball because they've got some good players on the ball to build something. Yeah, and they are against one of the best teams in the world, so. No one really gave them hope. No one really expected too much. Um, but they did look good going forward, I thought, at times. Um, I think Germany's high line helped a little bit as well in terms of areas that they could exploit because obviously they have a bit of pace going forward. So I think that really helped. Um, but in the games coming forward, I mean, it's hard now because of the goal difference, but maybe they have to be a little bit more savvy defensively and just like Jesse said you've you've almost got to change your tactics even if you have a philosophy World Cup football isn't just about playing attractive football or or playing a certain style it's about winning and the only way you get through is by winning games now no one gave them a chance really um, in terms of before the World Cup that they're going to get through the group stage but it'll be really good experience for them to understand that when they play better teams um, just the difference in quality and looking at how clinical Germany were, then of course it's it's kind of hard. I I felt like first half I thought they were a bit unlucky to be 2-0 down as much as Germany were fully in control. But I did feel there were moments where they could exploit them. And second half, I think, that third goal straight away, what, 10 seconds in second half, it was just like... The clock hadn't even come up on the screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, right, game over. And that just absolutely kills all of their hope... Um, I mean, you see with Jamaica yesterday, they just held in there for as long as they could. And and sometimes that's just what you've got to do. And, and Jamaica didn't really, in the last 10 minutes, didn't even really look to go forward. And obviously, if they could clear a ball and it would go to Bunny and it would stick. But um, it'd be interesting to see. Who's Morocco's next game? South Korea. South Korea. So, again, South Korea are a good side, but they maybe want to just try and stay in the game for as long as possible and then attack it in the last 10-15 minutes but it's it's a very different style of play than what Germany have offered. Germany have got Colombia next and they've got Lino Bidoff and Sidney Lohmann to come in. Sidney Lohmann uh, just got injured in the last training session. I want to talk about Lena Oberdorf's little koala bear because it was exceptionally cute. She had it on the bench tucked in a little coat and then in her hood... On the sidelines, oh, it was really, really cute. It was almost like this little comfort blanket that she's keeping with her for the tournament. It came and celebrated with her teammates. Uh, so I wanted to ask you guys, and maybe you took one on your Italy trip. I don't know how much you need your little security blanket, Kate. Good way to impress your new teammates. Yeah. Here's your soft toy. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't pack one. But if you were taking a little toy to a major tournament, 
what would you be taking, Becky? Um, I have a couple of different like soft toys. So it makes us sound like such babies, <laughs> little teddies. <laughs> um, one, but then like the, my favorite one, it, my ex boyfriend bought it for me. Ooh, so I'm like, can I take that with me? Um, <laughs> and I have a little plane. You know, you know the um, beluga. I've tweeted about this plane before. It's a really big plane that carries other plane, like normal size plane wings from like Airbus. And it oh, comes cool. into Chester, which is where my mum lives. Um, and I love it. And someone went to the Airbus, like like a day at the Airbus airfield. And they brought me back this teddy of the um, of the plane. So maybe I could take that with me. It's quite small, but it's, not, it's actually not very cuddly. That is such a thoughtful gift. It really was. Honestly, it was really sweet. What's a more cuddly one that you could take? Um, well, the... Well, the cuddliest one is the one that my ex-boyfriend bought me. It was like a rabbit from Ikea. Um, But maybe I'll buy a koala when I'm out there. But I feel like the first, I feel like the plane ride and like the first few days where I'm going to be like tired and emotionally wobbly. So maybe I need to buy one before I go. In jet lag hell, I think is what it's called. Um, Jesse, you've actually got one with you. Yeah, I also want to clarify that Lena Oberdorf's koala isn't her koala. It's the team's koala. Okay, team. that and sorry. it was crocheted by Clara Bull. That's <gasps> very no, cute. That's adorable. Clara Bull is talented yeah. because, wow. Very, very sweet. Do you think she's got time to do one for me now? Very <laughs> <before laughs> requests on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I brought Finley the Highland Cow. Um, Can we see him on the video, please? Sorry. Sure. Where did you get him from? Aha! So, so cute. cute. When I first started dating my girlfriend, um, I went to the Edinburgh Fringe that year. So we didn't see, well, she came up to visit me, but we hadn't like seen each other for like a month, basically. And I kept seeing, they sell loads of them in Edinburgh. Flo, you obviously went to uni there. You must have seen them in all the shops. They sell them in all different sizes. They're expensive as well. But anyway, <laughs> I really thought they were cute and she got me one as Aww. a surprise. That's so cute. So okay, I'll follow that one. What are you gonna? Uh, what would you take? Have I'm you got a little iron? What's the ma- what's the West Ham mascot called? What's he weird? <laughs> Bubbles the bear and hammerhead. <laughs> you got hammerhead's lot- probably not very comfy. <laughs> like, <laughs> a bit dangerous. Yeah. Kate just sleeping with a hammer. In <laughs> <laughs> You'll be warned. Anyone that breaks into my house, uh, I'm not a very cuddly toy person. I recently my mum actually was really mad that I wanted to chuck everything that like any toys and stuff that I had as a child <gasps> that I found in my room I'm with your mum on this one. I, won, I won a huge rooster because um this is a bit of a boring story but <laughs> I went to Portugal and you know where's like kick a ball through a hole oh yeah so I was like nine or ten and I got that the ball, talent is getting got the ball through the hole and Prodigy. I won a big rooster and I remember people laughing at me like thinking she won't get it through and I did <laughs> so my mum I allowed my mum to take a picture on her phone of it so then I could throw it away oh I could have taken it to Australia damn it when it's you- big like you'd have to buy it a plane seat <laughs> when, when you won that, that toy did you do some was that where they have some of that originated in that fairground <laughs> to the people oh, that were laughing know. at you yeah. <laughs> fuck you <laughs> fuck you maybe I don't I'm know I'm going did like a rooster knee what slides. about you I always feel really sorry for the people that do win those giant toys at fairgrounds because then they have to sort of embarrassingly take them on the tube. I did see today that a Zuni 
cuddly toy. Yes, Ooh, so that's what I was going to say. Yeah. So I but I will seeing, be going back for. Yeah, I keep yeah. seeing pictures of like people in the airport, of, like all the Women's World Cup merch, and I'm like, I want that, I want that, I want that. <laughs> I might buy one just as soon as I arrive because you know sometimes you worry that you're not going to see it again. Yeah, I yeah. think you've got to act when you see it in, in the airport. Yeah, just get it. Splash in the cash. I liked the Tazuni like eye mask that yeah. was so looked so uncomfortable but also iconic. In our Sydney Airbnb, I will be sharing the sofa bed with someone, and I will be wearing one, and they will poke them in the face, freaked out when they wake up next. Tazuni. <laughs> Tazuni cosplay. Every girl's dream. You know, to <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. Uh, well, that's some brilliant chat on Germany, Morocco, and everyone's soft toy choices. Let's talk about Brazil's impressive victory over Panama next. Right, so Brazil with another impressive performance beating Panama 4-0. And yeah, we, we just spoke about the sort of lack of, of some of those bigger nations imposing themselves in, the, in, in these games. But I suppose what was so enjoyable about Brazil's performance was that as much as it sounds like, you know, a, a, a stereotype, they did bring fun Brazilian flair and vibes from the off, from the the, the DJ in Adelaide who was bringing like br- brilliant reggaeton in the playlist uh, to the fans in the crowd. The national anthem was being belted. Marta was there with a big fat smile on her face. It was Flo just... thought that someone was drumming in the Spotify <laughs> studio uh, like above us because there's like jam studios that you can just go in. And she was like, God, someone's just playing the drums in that room above us. And then after about the whole second half, I was like... I think that's on the screen. <laughs> and then we did mute it and it was. My girlfriend texted me and said, the upstairs neighbours are being really annoyed. They're playing really, really loud music. See? And it was the game. I wasn't the only one. They were nonstop. So, I mean, hats off to people in Adelaide because they did. I mean, it was such good energy even watching it from over here. And yeah, the performance, Jesse, was just really impressive. And every single goal, every passing move, it was so fluid and it was so fun and exciting to watch. Yeah, I think I actually think this whole day I enjoyed all three games. I think this has been like the most fun across all the games. But Brazil definitely have been the best team I've watched so far, just in terms of a complete performance that felt like it just had that real like sprinkle of of magic on top of it. And yeah, the performance from Ari Borges in, in particular was really, really impressive. Um, the whole hat trick, I think all all of it was each each bit even if on paper you're like oh it's like just a couple of headers and stuff but I don't know all of it just came together so well and it wasn't even about the goals it was just all those like little flicks and tricks that you associate with Brazil but I think Lucy Ward said this on comms it was like it all meant something it wasn't this it didn't feel like showboating it felt like that was the way they wanted to play and that was what they wanted to bring to the game and they were doing it to to knit the attack together and 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 it did and yeah I thought Panama, like, at points defended really well, but the way they wanted to defend was just, like, really trying to protect that central space. And it just left up so much space on the wings for Brazil. And ultimately, that was why it was sort of funny that the goals ended up being kind of basic. We've seen so many headed goals at this World Cup. No one seems to be able to mark a player in the box at all. Um, but the whole performance, I just thought, was... Yeah, it was it was really magical. And I'm really excited to see what Brazil do at this World Cup. It was also great because Borges nearly didn't get the hat trick um, because she let she she played in uh, Beatrice Zhao for Brazil's third goal. So it was nice for the hen, their, her to then actually get the hat trick um, late on. The only thing that she did not do smoothly 
was her knee slide. Mm. And I do think it was, I, I think it's the first knee slide I've seen at the World Cup. So props to her for giving it a go. <laughs> But it just didn't work out for her. So, you know, that's my note to improve on for next time. <laughs> the knees really bounced, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Could have I been I mean, it's difficult. I've never... Actually, I have attempted it once when it was really rainy and it was so muddy. It's really difficult. Did you have success? Um, yes, but, like, also it was so muddy that you just kind of, like, slopped down into the mud. <laughs> I've always been a little bit scared. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, it's muddy. This feels like a good time to try it. I think you can only do it on, like proper good pitches have you done one yeah i was gonna say uh i did one where i dropped to my knees last year but literally went oh, yes. an inch off the floor yeah but i think i'd go for the technique of like knee to bum so yeah. you know like you sort of slide with your knees and then swing your legs to the side so you finish on your bum right because i just i know you don't know yeah you like spin because then it's like a bit of a softer landing yeah right. that also that's very and you. you're not committing to your knees as much yeah it's like a bit you know? silly yeah no. Well, I'm I, being deadly serious. <laughs> no, no. I know you're being deadly serious, but next season I want to see I need you to picture attempt. This. Okay, I'm going to try it. Maybe not pre-season because the pictures will be a bit dry. Yeah, yeah. Wait till like November at least. Oh, bit cold. Maybe. Okay. I mean, maybe, maybe you'll have to wait until March. like April. Oh, yeah. Not. Yeah. Okay. April showers. Okay. I'll, I'll, remember, I'll remind you. Thank you. Jesse, a few people looked at Brazil's squad going into this and, and recent performances and really did um, have their eye on this team getting to the latter stages of the, this competition. And with Germany's performance and, you know, with other performances, we, we obviously can't read too much into things, like you said. But do you think that, that, that Brazil are, are probably going to not necessarily take people by surprise because a lot of people like the look of them, but... Probably be serious ones to watch after how good they were today. I think what will be interesting to see about how Brazil move forward in this tournament is that today just felt so free and attacking and exciting. And they were able to do that because of the opponent. But when you compare it to how they played in the finalissima where, you know, they, they did sit back. OK, they, they wanted to press, but they were very much like let England have the ball we'll we'll try and like win a turnover and we'll kind of like just have JC run with it. it. It feels kind of like watching two different teams. And I do wonder whether actually trying to tap into more of that attacking flair will be key for Brazil if they are going to move forward. Because I think it's a really unique thing that they are able to do. And I know Pia Sundhaga is a manager who does kind of feel like she wants to be cautious. And in some ways I'm like, if they can find the balance between Suntaga's caution and the, you know, Brazilian Droga Bonita stuff, that could be like a really, really nice way to go far in this tournament. I just don't know whether they will get the balance right. But I think they will feel like, look, they had a win over Germany. They obviously, okay, they lost the finalists on penalties, but they actually drew with England, right? If we're really kind of considering the 90 minutes of that game. I think they will feel confident that, whoever they could face in the knockout stages are teams they could beat but I think again it comes back down to this whole thing I think there are a lot of good teams on this side of the draw and it's going to come down to those moments of magic and maybe that's why it's so important for Brazil to be able to find those in the tougher games because I actually think they're the one team we've seen at this World Cup so far who really feel like there is there is magic there. And we didn't even really get to see that much of Marta. And that will be interesting as well to see going forward because I'm like, when you watch this version of Brazil, are you putting Marta back into that starting lineup? Like, are you just saving her as a sub? I feel like 
that's going to be a really interesting thing to see how that plays out and how Suntaga deals with that as well. Yeah, it feels like ever since that second half in the finalissima where Sunhaga made that adjustment and moving away from the back five and giving her players more freedom and saying actually play the Brazilian way, it's just unlocked a different side to them because going into that Finalissima game and going into this World Cup, I just thought we were going to see this, the same sort of stodgy Brazil that they've been under her, which has been unfortunate. It's been smart, but it hasn't really unleashed all the really exciting, attacking, creative players that they have. But also to that extent, wouldn't you say... She's 37 now and coming off the back of an ACL. But this kind of style actually is the Marta OG sort of style. And if she can find that, tap into that energy again, if she's still got it, and we just haven't really seen enough of her to know yet. But that would also be incredible if it can be kind of like Marta's last hurrah and it can be old school Brazil again. Yeah, there's there's different um, options, obviously. Uh, without Marta there today, you could see the, the flowing football that they played and she would have slotted in fine um, and brought her own version of, of what she can do. Um, it'd be interesting, without putting a dampener on it, with all due respect, they were playing Panama, who I, I don't think they're going to get as much space and creativity and freedom because even when Luana was, was dictating play, even though a couple of times she was a bit sloppy, they literally won it back on the first pass again. Uh, so whether they get that much freedom against another team, but Marta's got so much experience, so much respect from her teammates. I don't think it really matters who slots in at the moment. Um, she can obviously bring something different. Uh, but it would be very interesting. But for me right now, I think Jesse said the same, that they're kind of my favourite team that I've I've seen in this World Cup so far. I thought they were really exciting to watch. So much creativity. And if you can slot Marta into that, then I think we've got a real team on our hands that could possibly go all the way. It would be so great to see Marta win the World Cup on what has six. Sixth, mm-hmm. yeah, it's her sixth, sixth one tournament, and after that emotional speech oh, I know, that she there gave, there won't be a martyr forever. You know, it's yeah, and uh, what a way to go out. Um, but let's not get carried away at one Panama. <laughs> and these, you know, some of these younger players are showing that there is a bright future ahead as well, which is exactly what she wanted. So it would be such a fairy tale. I think the frustrating thing about Panama is, it think it's the first team I've seen who I really will struggle to see how they get any results in this tournament because with Morocco you could see that there was something that they could do on the counter-attack and there's individual quality there but with Panama I just really struggled to see where those individual moments Zambia what they can do in the counter-attack Haiti what they can do in the counter-attack I just struggled to see any of that from Panama and I think this could be a real long slog for them in this group as well. Um, I'd like to say that when we were watching it earlier, we had to Google, like, if you're from Panama, what you are. Um, And it's Panamanian, right? Um, And I immediately came up with a great name for Panama fans, which I've refused to tell Kate and Flo because I wanted their (laughs) genuine reaction. Oh, God. And I'm going to be, for the rest of the tournament, a Panamaniac. I was about to say, is it Panamaniac? That's iconic. It's so good, right? We should get t-shirts. Yeah. I could, when I thought about it, I couldn't stop giggling. <laughs> Pandamaniac. And we literally were not allowed to know. I was like, I'm not telling you <laughs> anything. Panamaniac. I love it. Thanks. I'm obsessed. Thanks. So Panama, in their next game, have the amazing matchup with Jamaica, which is a really op- big opportunity for Jamaica, but unfortunately they won't have Bunny Shaw. So maybe that's an opportunity for, for Panama to try and get something uh, in this tournament. And Brazil, they face France, which is going to be a really, really fun game. 
On a Saturday as well. That's Battle of the Vibes. That is Battle of the Vibes, yeah. Wow. Can't wait. I and will be seated. Brazil beat France, France are in trouble. I mean, yeah. they should beat Panama. But yeah. they, they who knows, Brazil could take it easy and Jamaica just get a draw against... Yeah. yeah. Ooh, Ooh. Exciting stuff. It's all heating up in yeah. group. going, guys. What group is it? <laughs> it's all heating up in group. Is it Group G? No, which group is it? Group F. Group F. It's all heating up in Group F. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap things up talking about Italy's game against Argentina. This was the early one for UK time. This one was really fun. One of the better tight games we've seen in this tournament because unlike Netherlands win over Portugal and Denmark's win over China, it was really open. It was like a basketball game. It was end-to-end. In the end, it took a Cristiana Girelli header, really good header from her for a Boateng cross. Girelli didn't start, controversially. She is such a kind of talisman for Italy. But in the end, uh, Jesse, it took that kind of one moment of brilliance to win the game. But it, overall, it was just a really fun match. Yeah, it was really fun because, oh my God, these two teams were like going at each other from the start. Like they were yelling at each other on the pitch after 15 minutes <laughs> as if it was like the final, <laughs> not their opening group stage game. Um, and it, yeah, it was really open. I thought Argentina had some really really fun moments that some of those like kind of flicks and tricks we saw from brazil work out so well for them argentina was sort of doing that but more in the midfield area so it wasn't really leading to goals but it was still enjoyable um and yeah kind of fitting that like bertolini and italy's whole narrative leading into this tournament has been sort of the rejuvenation of the squad obviously she started julia dragoni the the 16 year old who's at barcelona um but then Dragoni came off, Girelli came on and Girelli's the one who, uh, fantastic header, nods it in and, and she's she's the hero, which I feel like, yeah, kind of moved away a bit from, from Bertolini's narrative as well because I actually thought Barbara Bonanzea was one of the standout performers for Italy too. Obviously another one of a very familiar cohort of Italian players who's sort of ageing out now. Um, but yeah, I think Italy got, got away with one. I think by the, the second half, they had sort of taken control of the game, control of possession, but they really weren't doing much with it. But in the first half, like Argentina were, were all over them. And yeah, I think Argentina can feel pretty hard done by not to have come away with a point. Do you guys think that Girelli starts the next game? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I no one's going to so. give any reasons. Cool. <laughs> well, I think she looks really pissed off. She she was ready to prove a point, yeah. that's for sure. And she, to be honest, she had she didn't have the best Euros and it really felt like this tournament was um, the, 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 the changing of the guard because of that Euros and because of how poor some of the more experienced players were. So it is quite funny that she's kind of just twisted the narrative, like Jesse said, with this winner. But it is hard because it just it's a bit too kind of risky I think still because I just don't I mean she's just quite old now but maybe I'm being a bit excuse harsh. me she's younger than me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I thought this was wild on on the world feed they said here comes Jarelli 33 years old ready yeah. to roll back the years <laughs> and I thought Jesus Christ sorry you're all seriously will you be rolling back the years at Charlton this season Kate <laughs> well I don't know if I can still roll backwards um <laughs> 
even older than her. She's just been around the block, you know. She's yeah. been there a while. It's um, getting I, better, isn't it? <laughs> I, I want to ask you about uh, Dragoni, Jesse, because everyone was tweeting about her before the game, about this 16-year-old prodigy and how incredible she is. She had a, a fine performance, nothing to really write home about, but given to the fact she's 16, you know, it was impressive to be solid in your first ever World Cup game. What what do you make of, I guess, is, is the hype justified and what kind of mark do you think she's going to leave at this World Cup? You're going to make me say the things I said on my Twitter circle. No, you, don't. <laughs> you don't need to say what you said on your Twitter circle. Jessie's, Jessie's Just been give slandering us, on circles, give clearly. The, give us the assessment of her because, you know, I think sometimes you do get carried away and this World Cup feels like a real teenagers tournament. We've talked up plenty of teenagers before the start of it. So what do you make of, of her? I feel like, and I don't want to shade on her because I actually don't think this has anything to do with her ability, but I think there's something a bit weird and uncomfortable about her inclusion that it almost feels like a bit of a PR exercise. Like, you know, when Arsenal played Ethan Nwaneri in the Premier League this year and he became the youngest ever Premier League mm-hmm. player and then we literally never saw him again. And Dragoni kind of felt like that as well. And it was interesting. I saw, you know, like where she ranked in terms of the youngest ever starters at the World Cup and everyone else from that had played at sort of the 1991 World Cup, the 2003 World Cup. And you're like, yeah, there's kind of a reason why 16-year-olds don't normally play at the World Cup anymore because most countries have sort of got a more robust national system than that. And I think, I don't think Dragoni is like this incredible precocious talent who's like no one we've ever seen. I think she's good. In this game, she didn't stand out for me. Is in she was fine. She did some nice bits. She did this thing that's been clipped up and will look lovely on our highlights reel where she flicked the ball over the head and then promptly lost it. But you can cut <laughs> out the bit where she promptly lost the ball. Um, and like none of the Italian players really stood out. So like she sort of blended in. And to, and to that extent, obviously it's fine. But equally, I just, you know, like this is someone who's made like three senior appearances in her career at Inter. She then went to Barcelona, hasn't made a, a senior appearance at Barcelona. And you look at someone at Barca, who has made senior appearances and is 16, is Vicky Lopez. And Vicky Lopez is, is just four years older than her and she's nowhere near the Spanish national team. And I kind of think that's a good thing because I just don't know if we sh- I'm not saying like it shouldn't happen because obviously if players are ready and if they feel like they, they need that kind of profile in their national team, that's great. Like take, take a 16-year-old. But I just think it feels a lot more indicative of maybe the, the national setup that Italy have had and kind of a message that Bertolini wants to send rather than being about Dragoni herself. And I kind of think that's unfair on a teenager to sort of have her wound up in this sort of PR exercise, you know, like talking about how it was controversial for Girelli to be left out. And, you know, that's the kind of player that's being brought in instead. And there are other players who've missed out, you know, from who are who are older for Italy. And maybe it's purely based on talent. But the girl's not played enough minutes for it to be purely based on talent, like to be totally honest. Um, So I think that's just why it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I think I think that's fair to think. I mean, we know obviously what happened with Sarah Gamma before the tournament. She was absolutely distraught about being left out. And this has been a very strategic move to bring in some younger players with some uh, some of the the sort of like Juve players. heartbed of the team missing out and it's a real change in the guard so we'll wait to see if it pays off and also whether Dragoni is the real deal that's enough action for today guys <laughs> that's enough <laughs> we'll leave it we're there. done we're done uh, we're going to be back on 
Thursday. Wow, two days We've off. We've got two guys. days off. Luxury. Good luck without us out there. Um, but we're obviously going to be watching the games and tweeting as per <laughs> on the counter press feeds on Drag our own channel. It's not Twitter anymore. <laughs> on X. Drag Sorry. me away. I'll be Xing all Has day. Has it long. actually changed? Yeah, yeah, it's actually changed. So God. see you out there, kids on X. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, but yeah, obviously keep an eye on our channels because we'll be across all of those games. Uh, all the newsletters, Jesse's doing one, I'm doing one. So there'll be plenty of chat if you miss us that much. I don't do a newsletter, but I tweet stupid stuff so you can... That can be oh my your God, daily I update. stupid stuff. God, <laughs> a hard transition. Or if you miss us loads, you can go back and listen to the previews or so the true. earlier episodes that if you're still trying to catch up. But for now, we'll love you and leave you and we'll see you on Thursday. 